check, check, mic check. Presented by Empire on PulpMX.com, taking your calls and looking ahead to the races with your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody. Noon Pacific Time, May 29th, 2014, Fly Racing Moto 60 Show, presented by NFAB. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. One hour of uh, Look Ahead to Hangtown. We had Glenn Helen. We saw some surprises. We saw some things that weren't surprising. And we're going to talk to uh, Jason Wygant and Jason Thomas about what we're going to see going forward uh, this weekend at Hangtown. We thank you guys for listening. 702-586-7857. Uh, give us a call, 702-586-PULP. What's on your mind? What do you think of Glenn Helen? What do you think of Hangtown? What do you think of the Nationals? Let me know. Uh, we're going to give away a Fly Racing Factory Spectator Kit again. A tank top, a hat, umbrella, a backpack with a cool uh, pouch in it for some beverages, and of course, a uh, uh, some sweet gifts to uh, to watch the races with this summer. We thank Fly Racing for coming on board the official gear of Andrew Short, Trakenard, many other racers in the pits. FlyRacing.com, 2015 stuff coming out soon for those guys. Uh, no unnecessary distractions when they make their gear. Straightforward, no nonsense, function, fit, and style. Fly Racing products are distributed exclusively in the United States by Western Power Sports. And, of course, NFAB. Dress up your Jeep, truck, or SUV with the hottest-looking, best-looking accessories from NFAB. Built in the USA, they offer step systems, light-mounting solutions, bumpers, more. Uh, take your ride to the next level. Visit n-fab.com. And Justin Barsha picked up an NFAB sponsorship uh, on the back of his pants for uh, the rest of this summer. And, uh, well, maybe beyond. If the rumors are true that he's going to JGR, and I think they are, uh, should be interesting to see 702-586-7857 let's look ahead to Hangtown let's touch on Glen Helen look ahead to Hangtown as always I'm your host Steve Mathis with me uh, producing the show handling the phones basically uh, uh, making this thing run the Tits Legendary Tits what's up hello Steven what are you doing uh, congratulations on your win you know last lap pass yeah I was very happy for Dungey but honestly I would have been very happy for Roxon as well um, I really like Roxon Cream your pants or no? It was a very close call. It was good to see. Angry Dunge. Yeah. Nice pass. Set him up. You know, a lot of people are like saying he should have passed him earlier and all that. But, yeah, you know, I thought it was good. It was a good ride. At the beginning of the lap, though, I didn't think it was going to happen. No. The lappers and and he he turned it on, man. Yeah, Jimmy Albertson. That's amazing. Get out of Jeez, Jimmy. Freaking guy. He uh, he didn't know. He thought it was a guy behind him. I watched the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, As soon as he realized it was Dunge, he shit his pants and moved over. No harm, no foul. No, exactly. And, uh, and a great ride by Ryan Dungey. Uh, Raining Yellow. Hey, what's going on? You got to be worried for your guy. Um, You know, is it me or is Stuart one of the more picky guys when it comes to the bike setup? 
I don't know. I think all the top riders, quote-unquote, all the top riders are pretty picky. I've heard a lot of stories about Dungey behind the scenes testing and swapping everything out, you know, uh, be, getting very uh, getting very picky with his bike. Uh, Justin Barsha's been complaining about his bike all year. Um, you know, so a lot of these guys um, are that way. So I wouldn't just say it's James. But you think the track being as brutal as it was, James, and I said to a buddy of mine, I said, hey, you know, maybe he didn't want to pull an A1. And I heard him mention that. Maybe he just um, wasn't going. Well, here's the thing. I talked to a bunch of riders after the races about their about the race and about the track. Nobody, nobody was that pumped on their bike. No one was like, oh, dude, my bike works so good, um, including the winner also, uh, uh, Jeremy Martin. So, yeah. uh, so really like Glenn, but Glenn Helen is its own animal. You know what I mean? It is its own deal, and uh, I don't think uh, Hangtown's close, but it's not the same because you don't have those hills. Um, so if you're off on your setup at Glen Helen, I wouldn't stress about it. Uh, nine out of the 12 tracks are on the East Coast where the dirt is, is loamy and brown and ruddy and tacky. Uh, Glen Helen, Hangtown, Washougal, all sort of its own nationals as far as setup goes. So I don't think his bike – look, I mean, I, I don't think his bike looked that – bad out there i'm still surprised i would figure james could ride a bike with two struts in it to a 4-4 or 4-3 you know what i mean i thought i was definitely thinking at least uh you know hoping for a podium but uh what's this rumor i'm hearing that you uh you want raining yellow on the pre-race podcast no there's been no rumors about that at all nobody's <laughs> nobody said that nobody's mentioned that at all no oh that's all i've been hearing all week Oh really? Oh wow! Where in, inside your head, like in the voices, your voices? Oh yeah. Well, those are the only voices I hear. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah. I, I don't. I don't think so. Raining yellow. But you come by and say hi. Come by. Yeah. And stop. No. Where are you? Where are you going to be? Because you know where I'm going to be at. Mm, Roger can text me. Tell Roger to text me. I'll tell Roger to text you, and then we'll meet up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got. I got. I got to meet you. And and see, oh, absolutely. And see. Hey, we've met before, but you didn't know that was before. Before the raining yellow, was, okay. I was raining yellow, raining yellow. Okay. Um. All right. I can't wait. It's gonna be very exciting. I would. I would offer you this fly racing spectator factory spectator kit, but you have no interest in this. You're a seven gear guy. So well, what's 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 the spectator pass thing? No, you're not. You're not eligible to win. You you're you're on oh. team. You're on team seven. You're not eligible. Fair enough. Fair enough. So uh. I'll, uh, I'll have Roger send you a text, and I'll see you at Hangtown. Thanks, man. Thanks for calling the Fly Race and Moto 60 show. Right on, guys. All right, see ya. Yeah, I'd be a little worried if I was a James Stewart fan like Randy Yellow right there. I'd be a little stressed out about that. Uh, to talk more about that and uh, cover Glen Helen, look ahead to Hangtown. RacerX Online's Jason Wygant. Weege, what's up? Ooh, big, big day for you in my mailbox today. The latest issue of RacerX Illustrated with oh. Moto Triple X Story. I saw it on the weekend. I grabbed a copy, and then Jordan Burns was uh, also there. He had a copy that was already folded over open to the story that he was showing everybody. Wow. Just tell people so they don't think we're just talking about work publicly for no reason. They don't get bored. The efforts that you put in to get this story into the it, magazine is a long, arduous process. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's my Mount Everest. It's my Mount Everest. It really is. Yeah. It took me a long time. I had to stop for oxygen a few times. I had to go to base camp to get back used to altitude. Finally, although I reached the summit, and it could, 
It feels it feels great. It feels fantastic. When did you start this? Over a year ago? I started the Triple X story in November of 2012. Oh my god. Yes, my first interviews were, you know, in the off season of 2012. And it's getting in the magazine in June of 2014. It was it was basically done February of March or March of 2013. Kind of done. So, so it sat for over a year. Yes. Yes. Wow. When are we going to run it online? We're going to run the whole let's thing. Start, let's start next week. Let's start Sunday or Monday. Oh, I can't wait. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah. Uh, all right, enough of that Moto Triple X talk. Um, Randy Yellow was just on the line. He's a little worried about James Stewart. And I think, like, people talk about his bike not b- being set up that great, and I kind of agree. Uh, and I was talking to one of the RCH guys who, who told me the same thing, that he heard from the Suzuki guys that James was not happy with his bike, not happy with the setup. But even with a pogo stick on there i gotta think james could be better than six six right i'd be a little i don't know what happened i think there's a couple factors um i have to you know we have to remind people again that james was not spectacular last outdoors last year outdoors at all i think people have forgotten that i, I do um, see and i'm going i'm sorry to interrupt you but the same reasoning that you just said about james stewart is why i'm not on the baggett championship train like i watched him in 24 motos yeah he was there he was there, and he didn't he was, yeah. do that well. Yeah, yeah. so that's kind of yeah. where I'm at. But anyways, you're right. He was far off the pace of Villapoto and Dungey. He, he just was. So it's and so I guess the point is, we think because of Supercross, he'll be much better, and I would assume he will be at some point. But you can't just say that even on a pogo stick, James Stewart does better than six six. Because last year, I don't think he really was even that upset with the bike, and there were days where he was just getting fifth. So how far off really is this? I also think, I think he is traumatized by Anaheim 1 this year. I think that really, really pissed him off. Like, he wanted so bad to not be the winner crash guy, to not throw it away, to not screw it up. And he was about to win Anaheim 1. He was passing a rookie who I'm sure he wasn't worried about. You know, how, I can't, am I going to be able to beat Roxon? I think he knew he had it, mm-hmm. and he threw it away. And it basically knocked him out of title contention all year. I think he's traumatized by that. So <laughs> okay. I think the first time he got a kick going down one of those hills, he said, cool it, right. cool it, do not Anaheim want it. But I didn't even see flashes of brilliance, you know? Cool it. We uh, do not want Anaheim won this. All right, yeah. Well, but, you know. So there's a chance that he'll turn it around once he's comfortable. And like I said, he was just traumatized and he just wanted to get through the opener. Right. But there's also a chance that he's just 2013 James Stewart, who just wasn't yeah. really that impressive outdoors. I mean, he's okay. I mean, okay, he's getting podiums yeah. against the best in the world. That's awesome. Yeah. But I, I think we cannot say enough well, this guy that went- Ryan Dungey was just faster than James in every moto last year. He just was. Yeah, yeah. People forget that, I think. Well, yes, and, you know, people think about the 24-0 James Stewart. That's a long time ago. So, or you the, know. Uh, the, you know, the beginning of 2012 James Stewart. That is the weird thing. Those first two races and the first two laps of the third race on the Suzuki, he has never recreated that. No, he hasn't. Uh, but he He's also outdoors, obviously. Super no, yeah. He had some but also here. too, remember in those in those four motos, Dunge was very close. Absolutely. You know, and if you talk to the Stu camp, they're like, "Hey, we're just doing what we can do to win. We're just we, we're not pushing it. We're calm. We're going to just take the wins." And if you talk to Dungey camp, they're like, "Ah, Stu is going to fold. Stu is going to crash and fold. We'll get him." You know, yeah, so it's well, kind of I think funny. even we said then, like, okay, if they're almost dead even on speed, which looks like they are, 
who are you putting your money on to be there for 24 motos? Right. Now, I know the Stewart crash in Colorado two years ago was weird, and you could maybe say it wasn't his fault, depending on what side of the argument you're on. Yeah. But the bottom line is just look at Dungeon's rep and look at Stu's. Yeah. We, we did a uh, three questions, three uh, answers thing on Racer X Online. You did not weigh in on it. So let's get your opinion on it. Uh, the Roxton Dungey runaway, and that's what it was, with apologies to Josh Grant. Uh, is that what we're going to see? And maybe not by those amounts of seconds, but is that what we're going to see at Hangtown in the rest of the season? I have a feeling that more often than not, that's what you're going to see. I could see certain days, certain tracks, other guys getting in there, but a consistent challenge week in and week out, which you know would ultimately – uh, lead to a, a championship threat. I'm not so sure. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of work for everybody else if they're going to uh, pull up there. Yeah, we, we're come off such a long Supercross season. I think you sometimes forget that you know the tracks vary so much more from week to week in the Nationals than they do in Supercross. So you know, last year Justin Barsher was right there with both Ryan's at Muddy Creek. Mm-hmm. I think they didn't like that track. He happened to. Trey Canard always does good at Millville. You know, certain guys always do good on certain tracks. So on certain days, I could see any one of that group mm-hmm. getting in there. But besides Stewart, who obviously has won this title before, and he's, you know, he's got talent. You know, he's got ability. Yeah. I mean, I, if Stewart goes one-one at Hangtown, you wouldn't be like, what? I, I would be. I think I would be. Well, I at would this be. point, I, you would I, be. Still? I think I would. I, I was not impressed with him at Glen Helen. I, <laughs> I just, I know, I get what you're saying. Back it down. I'm not happy with the bike setup. I get that. Brett Metcalf caught and passed him and left him behind. Yeah, Kennard, I think Kennard had – Kennard passed him in both motos, didn't he? Mm, second moto he passed so. him? Did he? Okay. I think so. Yeah. Uh, no, I guess he didn't pass no, him I in the second moto. He think just he left did. him. Right. Yeah, you just, uh, first moto he, he did. So, right. And, yeah, I know you're saying that's a massive – uh, we know what the gap was to the from Dungy Roxon to third. Yeah. But what was it to Stewart? It had to be over a minute. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and look, and, uh, and that's no slide on Brett Metcalf. Nobody's a bigger Brett Metcalf, Metcalf fan than me, but it's James Stewart. So no, it's true. Um, you, we should ask Meddy how many times he's just straight up right. handled Stewart. <laughs> right, right. Uh, uh, no, there's a percentage I think of traumatized Anaheim one bike setup and all that. But do I think that all added up to the entire gap? There's right. no way. There's no way um, that that was the entire cause of it all. No, seven zero two five eight six seven eight five seven. Got a few lines open. Let's get to Randy. He's been waiting on a while. Randy, what's up? Thanks for calling the Fly Race and Moto 60 show. Hey, Steve. Love the show. Uh, I had Thank a you. Like, frame question for you. It seems sure. like the trend in Suzuki's, at least, is uh, the frames are getting stiffer and stiffer with the aluminum chassis. I was wondering, are they making those stiffer because the pros are supposed to be riding a, a factory you know, production frame and uh, they're not really worried about us mortals out here that can't flex them like those guys? Um, I would say, Randy, in the case of Suzuki, they did flex up the, 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 the front of the frame a little bit. But most manufacturers, since the aluminum frame came on in 1997 with Honda two-strokes and Yamaha joined in 06, Cowie joined in 07, since the advent of aluminum frames, I would say that the OEMs have almost always, always gone uh, more flex. They've, they've created more flex in aluminum. They've realized that the aluminum frame isn't, isn't all that. Uh, it's it's nice in the weight department, but it doesn't always transfer. It doesn't always work great. So in by and large, the, the OEMs, uh, they constantly evolve it. Uh, Yamaha for 2014 went uh, stiffer in the front and softer in the rear uh, for flex-wise uh, for, for aluminum. So 
they're always trying to make them better for everybody. You know, I, I don't think pro riders and pro results necessarily come into play that much because the, the pro guys can adjust. You know, if you don't if you don't like it up front, you can uh, go to a smaller uh, clamp, go to a, go to a different race, go to a different offset. So I don't think, although they they take the information that the pro teams use, I don't think they really, you know, basically build their frames for the pros. If that's what you're asking, I have an yeah, interesting yeah. story about the. Um, Suzuki frame getting stiffer, and Mathis, you probably want to check this with your buddy Kiefer, because uh, I think it, it came from, not from Kiefer, but from some of the other Dirt Rider guys told me. They did a shootout, you know, two years ago or whatnot, and all of a sudden they're like, the Suzuki feels different. It feels like it changed. So they asked Suzuki, and the techs or the engineers are like, nope, nothing changed. They're like, you don't have any PR materials on new frame. Like, a frame change is big. Like, usually yeah. you'd advertise that. You'd want people to know that. And they're like, no, we did not change anything. So they actually their previous year's bike and that year's bike stripped them down and looked at the frames and they're like the steering head is bigger i think it's taller uh they're like what's up with that so they told the suzuki guys and they're like that's not possible we didn't change that so apparently went back to some sort of production line thing that they didn't i I guess intend to do as a performance thing but it has a and steve you know this tiny changes on the frame can have a massive effect on the feel of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't take much. Uh, I, yeah, I, it was, I was something like five millimeters. I never heard that story. Uh, taller. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, ask Kiefer about that for sure, but I think that's what I heard. They, Suzuki did eventually confirm that it happened, but it didn't happen for the standard reason of we thought it would work better that way. Yeah. It just had to happen for some other reason. Hmm. Factory, production line, whatever it might have been. Right, right. There we go. Yeah, there you go, Randy. Anything else? Hey. No, I appreciate it, man. Love the show. You guys Thank you. I appreciate you calling. Thanks a lot. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, when Yamaha came out with the aluminum frame on the two-strokes in 05, they yep. swore to us the, on the race team that the flex capabilities were exactly the same as steel, the dimensions were the same as steel, everything's the same. They, should, they said it should feel no different. It's just yeah. lighter. And, cool. you know, uh, the first thing, nobody liked it. Well, I, know, I shouldn't say nobody liked it. Nobody liked it as much as the steel frame. And well, Chad Reed complained about it all season. Right, and so Yamaha is telling us it's the same. The flex capacity, flex capabilities are the same. Uh, the flex capacitor, yeah, flex capacitor is the same. Everything's uh, you need to throw some uh, recycled uh, orange peels in there, um, <laughs> and and it wasn't. It just wasn't. It's just a different material. And, and you're right. The littlest things make a difference. I've told the story a hundred times of of one millimeter wide uh, plates on the inside of the frame. We sealed them up at Yamaha. Uh, to seal up the uh, the cones of the aluminum frame, and the guys hated it. They didn't know what was wrong with it, but they all said it sucked. Doesn't take much. So Yeah. I think the aluminum frame thing has turned kind of weird now, because then I remember when the first one came out there in 97, Honda's line was the bike wasn't any lighter, but if they had made a steel frame that stiff, it would have been six or eight pounds heavier or something, which is significant. So it was kind of the idea of we know we have to just keep getting stiffer and stiffer, and if we do that with steel, it'll just get too heavy. But now it's like they figured out they never needed to go that stiff in the first place. Yeah. Okay, so KTM is sticking with steel frames, which you would think is inferior. Like aluminum just sounds higher tech, sounds cooler, sounds like it'd be the next step. But KTM might have had a few problems here and there, but it's not like don't even get on one of those things, don't even try it. As a steel frame, it's useless, it's worthless. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, And they're not heavier either. And and also we reached a point years ago where the factory stopped going bigger and bigger on shock shafts and forks and clamps and everything else. Uh, yep. Because of rigidity, look at Langston when he won his title. He ran stock clamps and stock size forks and everything. Um, so there's a comes a point. His frame was too stiff. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. Comes a point where the yep. where the riders 
and the teams are looking at this aluminum with a, with with one eye closed, going with a, with a raised eyebrow, going, hmm, you know. Didn't so quite work the way they they expected, um, I guess. Okay, so Hangtown, uh, I would say to you, Wygant, that since I've been going on the circuit since 1996, there is not a more improved track than Hangtown on the circuit. It is it is pretty good nowadays, soil wise, soil wise, layout wise, uh, viewing. Much, much improved from where it was. Yeah, I remember, um, I think they had a whole new track, like sometime in the early 90s when they either moved or moved the track or something like that. And I remember watching on TV, they interviewed Stanton, and they were like, we have an all-new track here, Jeff, what do you think? And it was supposed to be awesome. <laughs> what do you think, six time? No, he wasn't He wasn't playing that game. Right, right. No, I think it's terrible. They have all this room, all this space, and they didn't even take advantage of it. The track sucks. <laughs> well, you're the Bradshaw story, right? Oh, put the gate a yeah, sign or yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> testing at Yamaha. Uh, one of the track workers comes up to Damon and goes, Damon, what do you think of the track, man? What do you think we can improve on this thing? And he said, you should, you can put a lock on the front gate. And, and all the <laughs> exactly. Yamaha guys said that the guy's jaw just dropped, the dirt digger yeah. guy, just like, oh. Um, so they come a long way. They've used these rice holes, which is basically like their own version of sawdust. I guess that's helped quite a bit. Um, now you don't really hear... I don't think anyone says it's their favorite, but you never don't hear complaints either. No, so no, I think it's good. It's that's what you'd want to go for, really. Okay, so uh, I looked at some results from last year. Josh Grant went twenty twenty seven. So I don't know what happened to him. There's no way he stayed on his bike and went twenty twenty seven. So he had yeah. a rough day. Um, Kenny Roxon went one one in the two fifty class. So that should be interesting for this weekend. I think though, it's hard to compare. It's not apples to apples because it was the opener. Yep. I think it's different being the opening round. I feel like outdoors, we obviously Glen Helen was a mess as far as expectations and some people. It was all over the map as far as what you expected and, and not happening. I think so much of that is the opener, and you talk about this all the time with outdoors. You're just guessing going into the first race. You can't test on any tracks like that. So yeah, yeah. I feel like after round one, everybody gets maybe a little bit closer to where. I mean, hand the number one plate to Roxon after Hangtown last year, but it didn't work that way once everybody kind of figured out what they. Right. What they wanted their bikes to do. So, well, yes, he was good there, but was that just he was closer at the opener than everybody else, or was it literally that track? I don't know. We went uh, RV, Dunge, Stu, Canard, Barsha, one one two two three three four four five five. <laughs> so I do remember that. Um, it was practically the way that one it, actually did work out almost identical is, to the season one. Yeah, no, good point. Yeah. Um, is this – I'm of the opinion that Josh Grant's first moto win – was just a Glen Helen one-time thing. I was impressed with him in the second moto that he didn't quit. I do not see him being in the top three really again. I don't. What do you think? I think here and there, but I, I for the most part, agree that I don't think you can use that as an indicator of, look out! Yeah. Look out for Grant all season long. This is going to be happening. He can run with those guys. He's going to be right in this. I mean, top three never all year. That seems a little bit harsh, but okay, yeah, well, yeah. In general, I don't think you're yeah. going to see that very often. What you saw, Glen Helen. Uh, but I mean, still good for him and good for the team and everything else. But yeah, I, I don't know. It was. Uh, can I, by the way, mention? I don't know if you talked to Filthy a little bit after the race. I did. He straight up admitted that he was blocking to help Grant pull a bigger lead. He did. Uh, yeah. Oh, he didn't tell me that. Yeah, he said. He said he knew he had stomach cramps and he wasn't going to be able to ride well, so he figured I might as well just hold these guys off and help my teammate get away as long as I can. <laughs> Did he say that publicly? Yeah, Because totally. Glen Helen is a track to, to you could block some guys. 
They, he, he used the word. He said, "I'll be a roadblock for JG as long as uh, I can." Good job on that, filthy. It worked. Um, let's get to the. Well, fo- it came down to uh, what ten feet at the finish. So who knows yeah. if he cost Roxon two or three seconds? It took Roxon a couple of laps. Yep. Maybe that made all the difference. Yeah. Uh, let's get to some phone calls here, Brad. What's going on, man? How's it going, guys? Good. Uh, I just thought to ask you guys uh, what you thought of between um, you have. The two KTM guys, Dungey and Roxon, have kind of separated themselves in the field, especially that second moto. Uh, if, those, if that's to continue, who in the field other than James uh, can really give these guys some issues? I think I, I know I, this, I struck out massively in my Supercross preview, but I still think Barsha. I still, mm-hmm. I still like Barsha. I think he can be there. Uh, JT's on Canard's side, and certainly Trey had quietly a pretty good day at Glen Helen if he hadn't uh, – slowed down for that lapper and got rear-ended by James. Um, but I think either one of the Honda guys, I, I could flip a coin, pick either one of those guys. I think they can get in there. I think that's your, right next, your next wave. What about uh, what about you there, um, Jason? I actually agree totally. I might lane a little more on Kennard than Barsha, but for the most part, yeah, yeah I think it's going to be. Well, you're driving that bus, my friend. Dude, coming at you like a dark horse. I'm loving it. Now, Steve, you realize that there are 11 different lines of fly gear, including the women's kinetic gear? I know. It's fantastic. It's everything you need. That's amazing. Yeah. Flyracing.com. They make it. Whatever color, style, function, material you need. Bars, dual sports stuff, you name it. They they can take care of it. It's a phenomenal product over there. It is. It is. Thanks, man. Absolutely. You guys have a good one. All right. See ya. Uh, we don't even need prize? to. Sh- we don't no need prize to give that guy for that. We don't even need to shill for fly racing. Our callers nothing will- you can give him. There wasn't fly doesn't have any gear bags on the line for this dude or anything. Uh, we got a factory spectator kit. Get to give away by the way: a tank Wait. top, a backpack, a hat, and an umbrella. The, that term is not trademarked. No, I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> really? Yeah, uh, Dustin. What's say anymore? Dustin, what's up, man? Thanks for calling the show. Hey, thanks for taking my call, guys. No, thank you for calling. I just had a question. I heard the other day you guys were talking about possible um, two two teammates for Reed next year. I heard you know Han, Grant, possibly Metcalf. Um, you know Han's a pretty good Supercross rider. Haven't seen a whole lot outdoors, and I think Metcalf's obviously a much better outdoor rider than Supercross. Grant can, is kind of a toss up on that. Like, what do you guys think of like out of those three? If, like, well, what? here's what I'm confused about, uh, Dustin, and I saw that Jason Thomas. Uh, wrote on uh, pulpamex.com, a silly season preview. I don't know if you read that weed or not. I'm sh- I don't know if you know if you're aware of what pulpamex is. But uh, um, Reed has always said for for three years now that he wants a guy who can win. It's, he's not going to sign just somebody off the street. He needs to be a top flight guy. He's going after Millsap, so it looks like Millsap signed with Cowie. And now JT, who's who's plugged in with with Chad Reed's team, obviously. Says Josh Grant could go there. Says Will Hong could go there. Uh, says Metcalf could go there. What happened to Chad Reed's? I need a guy who can win. Weege, what do you? What happened with that? Yeah, I know what you're saying. The only thing I can come up with is this is um, probably half the existence of the team. Reed has probably missed races. You know, he's had 2011. The first year was good. Missed a ton of 12. In and out, but basically in most of the year last year, then missed half of the year this year. Well, he was so in, but maybe, not really. He was in, but not really last year. He wasn't really out there. I don't really know who was yeah, riding the that's bike. What I mean, right. it, it, by attendance, he made most of the races last year, but that wasn't Chad <laughs> Reed, some other guy. Right. Um, 
I guess the point is, after three or four years of him only making half the races, maybe the only way to make this work sponsorship-wise is to say, I'll just get a teammate. Here's the thing, though, and this is such a political game, and Chad knows this. He needs the works parts from Kawasaki. He needs the bikes from Kawasaki. Uh, He needs that kind of stuff to get a good rider. So, therefore, Kawasaki is the one who has to sort of vet this program. There's always been a touchy situation with that, with the Honda guys, with the Kawasaki. Whenever you're dealing with an OEM and works parts and and sort of they hold the the ace card um, and all that. So, you know, I think Chad can talk about all these guys all day long, but it still comes down to he's not putting out of his pocket – to uh, to fund a bike and all that, he wants the the Kawasaki to fund the bike and the and the team and or fund the bike and the parts. So that's a touchy situation too. So yeah, he was on the verge. He thought of having Wilson when Jeff Ward Racing collapsed, right? Yeah, but he couldn't secure the second works bike from Honda, which then things started spiraling downhill with him and Honda from then. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Will Hahn rode a different bike than Eli Tomac did this year. Maybe you just yeah. need to revise all these. Yeah. forecast and just say i will have a guy in a production bike a pro circuit bike or something like that but then but then that goes against his thing about i want a guy who can win well yeah but i've already addressed that the only yeah. reason i would think he would change that is now he's missed a ton of races in the last couple of years so he needs to yeah. address that and just say i'll have a teammate so the rig just doesn't idle yeah yeah no maybe he never so. had a replacement rider really until this year either so i wonder if this is what's it's, what it's coming to yeah maybe so thanks dustin hey i have one more question real quick if i can okay sure yeah, I heard JT, I think it was the Pulp Show last Monday when he was talking about Roxon and you guys were talking about gear, and he said, well, he's a Fox guy. And then JT said, yeah, for now, yeah. I don't know if that would just I don't know what he's talking random. About. I don't know or, what he's talking about either. Yeah, why? Well, I don't know why he said that, because to me, Kenny Roxon is going to wear Fox over at RCH. Of course he is. I mean, that's what I, that's what I assumed, and I heard right. you saying that this is the last year of uh, you know having a deal with Fox. Um, I don't know if they're assign, re-signing another deal, or yeah. any rider they have could kind yeah. of wear whatever they there's, there's bring, no so. chance that Fox is letting Kenny Roxon go anywhere. I don't think. I think I think Kenny Roxon to me is the number one marketable guy in our sport right now. I, I, I couldn't re- see it either. So he he speaks English great. He's a good kid. He's got a social media. Teenagers want to be him or bang him if you're a teenage girl. Um, you know he's got everything you need. He's going to be great for the next ten years. If you're a gear company, stylish. Yeah, I can't see Fox letting him go. There's just no way. Thanks, Dustin. But you also said about I appreciate KTM. it. Thanks. What's that, Weech? You said that about KTM also. <laughs> I did. I did. But 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 Kenny wants to leave KTM. They don't. It's not a matter of him of them wanting to keep him. They want to keep him, but Kenny wants to leave. So why would but would Kenny want to leave Fox? Yeah. Why would you want to leave? I don't think the gear. Of the, is it possible for any gear to be so bad? I just the yeah. performance of the gear. Just yeah. Getting the right. Exactly. Time. Kenny's like, you know what? I just can't stand this gear. It just doesn't fit right. It doesn't fit my calves. Uh Dale, you want to ask Wygant a question? Yeah. I, uh, the other day I was watching the AC Nationals. And yes. I know oh, calling, calling, come on, Dale. Hey, hold on, Mathis. Hold on. I love dirt bikes. I raced dirt bikes when I was younger. I also raced quads, too. My oh. question is, what does Weed really think of the ATV Nationals? Is it a joke or is it legit? Uh, I can give an honest answer on that. I really will give an honest answer on that. Uh, I used to think it was pretty legit, actually, and I did not. I understood that motocross or dirt bike people hated ATV motocross because they tore up tracks or whatnot. Here's the problem for ATV motocross legitimately now. Before, it was hard to ignore because they were selling the crap out of those things, and the manufacturers were making 
tons of money on those things. And I always figure that a big chunk of the salary that, say, Ricky Carmichael made was what Suzuki made on ATVs. Um, yeah. Now here's the problem for ATV motocross. That market is drying up big time. People still spend tons of money, but they spend them on utility ATVs and side-by-sides. I don't know what the future of ATV motocross is. Like 10 years from now, is this still what people are doing? Are people still it doesn't using sport quads for recreation? Like... Are they doing that? Well, again, if, if I pay you enough money, will you announce anything? Uh, in the case of ATV motocross and several things I do, you don't need to pay me any money. <laughs> that's true. You're right. It's an Eric Sports <laughs> company. Yeah, that's a good point. But I'm just saying, like, right. 10 years ago, it was once they start the factory, the, man, the assembly line on a 450 race quad, people will be lining up at the dealers with cash in hand, and they did. But I don't think that that's there anymore. That's, hmm. a, that's a real issue. Um, well, like, uh, they're side by side, they cost twice course. as much. So if you're Yamaha, what do you care? Yeah, yeah, good point. All right, thanks, so Dale. The West, the, yep. the West Go ahead. Series, uh, I saw that Dustin Nelson raced through the pro class. He was the only one in the class. Yeah, that's two weekends ago. That's my point, so, man. I mean, for Yamaha, why is Yamaha even paying him to race if he's the only guy in the class? I don't know, but if I start a quad racing show, I'll be sure to address this topic. Anyways, I have another question for you, Matt. I saw that Jake Weimer signed with BCO KTM. Is that true? That's not true. Where did you see that? MXA. No. MXA? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. No. No, it's not true. Okay. All right. full of shit then. Well, yeah. All right. Thanks, Dale. Thanks, Dan. MXA, starting rumors. Uh, Mick, uh, what's, your, what's your question for uh, Jason Wygant on the Fly Race and Moto 60 show presented by NFAB? I got another quad question. No, I'm kidding. Uh, my question is, um, if Dino's bike was cut now, especially on a track like Glen Head and Helen, wouldn't it be better to just drop the 25 points and pull off than <laughs> no. get this injury and he's out for a month or so now? What's the deal with that? Go ahead, Weesh. I would just think it's like now it's hindsight 2020. Like, we'll, we'll never know how bad it was. Uh you know, he's probably wondering himself, like, okay, is this thing good now? Is it cleared out now? Like, I just can't – I can't – if he, if you had told him this will happen if you keep riding, I'm sure he would have pulled off. <laughs> right, yeah. But I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. the chances of it happening is a skyrocket compared to if it's run, running good, you know? Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's a uh, yeah, touchy subject. I'm sure Dean wishes he would have pulled in now, you know? <laughs> yeah, we yeah. will do. Thanks, Mick. Thanks. Uh, Fly Race and Moto 60 show presented by NFAB. Did you happen to see Justin Barsha's new uh, personal sponsor? Why well, again? Yeah, what a, what what a, a shocker. What, what a, a coincidence. What a coincidence. NFAB <laughs> now sponsoring Justin Barsha while he rides his factory Honda. Uh, so, well, that's, I, I guess that's a temporary deal because, I, mean, he, I mean, he's not going to a team that's sponsored by NFAB in a few months, is he? <laughs> no, I just, just out of the blue. Let's just be a summertime thing. Yeah, yeah just a summertime deal. It's odd that way. Uh, Mike, what's happening, man? You want to talk about Chad Reed? Yeah, actually, I was uh, actually driving by uh, Hangtown this morning on my way to work um, and thinking uh, about these past few races. And uh, when you were talking about Reed a little bit earlier, I know he uh, is fresh on the bike, but I remember a few years back him winning Hangtown on a Cowie um, that he hated. So I assume my guess would be that he's going to have a, a really good weekend. I'd say podium for sure. Okay, all right. Um, you're right. That that Hangtown win of Chad's, one of the more unexpected wins of his career. There's no doubt about it. Um, but uh, last year, 
He was uh, not good at Hangtown the year before. He went 3-3. So I don't, I don't think a podium, Mike, but I, he, he can improve on his 10th place, right? I think, he, think he's got a lot more fitness in him just from racing one weekend. I, I think his hands are probably better. He's probably riding this week. Okay. I don't know. We'll see. Hangtown seems like a track that would match him normally. Why can't, why can't uh, Chad Reed podium? Why can't? Yes or no? I don't think quite yet, but uh, the, I think you that Hangtown thing, that's just another example that year, the opening round is just friggin' weird. Wasn't it Reed and Mike Alessi on a 350 battling that day, and Dunge was getting like eighth? Ah, oh, the Alessi 350 experiment. And then it was like, <laughs> okay, now everybody's going to take what they learned from the opener, make some bike changes this week, and round two will be where you really see what happened. No, that, that wasn't. were not good, and Dungey killed them. That wasn't that year. That was the year before that even already. But because the no, year. That's the same year, bro. No, the uh, RV and Dunge went 1-2, and Chad went 3-3. Three, three. And then it was. That, was. that was when he was on a Honda, yeah. That was yeah. The year after. Right, and then when when Dunge first rode Suzuki in 2010. 2010 is the year Chad Reed rode a Kawasaki and won one of the oh, well, at Hangtown, I thought and Michael Lessie won the other yeah. on a 350. Dunge was struggling at the opener, and then the next round was Texas, and Dunge went 1-1. All right. Okay, fine. And you never and Reed and Alessi never won another moto for the rest of the year. Oh. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that that was the year Villapoto came in sick with all the Alden Baker rumors and then started stopping uh, all around round three. Uh, no, that would have been his anyways. Yeah, all right, we're off track. So that would have been the same. Villapoto was out with this. He was St. Louis leg break. Oh, yeah, you're right. right. Eleven was it. All right, thanks, Mike. All right, have a good one. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, there's just more proof. Be careful watching what happens at the opener. It's just weird how that works sometimes. But it, yeah, like half the time it means nothing compared to the rest do, of the races. Do you think? And, and we're coming up with Jason Thomas here uh, right away uh, on the pulp, uh, on Fly Racing Moto Sixty Show presented by NFAB, uh, Justin Barsha's new sponsor, NFAB. Uh, check him out, uh, n-fab.com. Uh, Brayton's still going to be gone for another couple rounds, right? For on that team. And filthy In Lakewood or High Point, so and filthy, so. filthy is guaranteed three races, and we'll see what happens from there. God, I hope yep. they keep taking them. Um, was the opening round of the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Nationals at Glen Helen? Never mind the racing. Was it a success to be back at Glen Helen in your eyes? Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know what's funny? How many times did you hear people say like Glen Helen sucks? Glen Helen's a hole terrible i hate that place you know before it was off the schedule yeah yeah a lot started now yeah. now it's like whatever <laughs> we'll just it's fine we went to elsinore we went to elsinore this place isn't that bad <laughs> bingo that's kind of it i think yes exactly uh no, no. Uh, teams and riders we know are a little bit over it because they've done so many crappy test motos on a random thursday afternoon that it's not really that spectacular to them mm-hmm. the track doesn't even really look like it the, the, the national weekend, which is what most people see and think, this is great. Yeah. But still, despite that, I think they're fine with it now. Yeah. All right. Last call for Jason Wygant. Neil, what's going on, man? Hey, guys. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, I just had a funny story about seeing Wygant out first thing in the pits right after the race that I saw yeah. him do is go straight to JGR and go get a free phone cover from J-Bone. That just epitomized everything I'd ever heard about. Him. Oh, it's true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, I know. That, that's his move. Absolutely. I was free stuff uh, everywhere. I was very upset that I had so many meetings Saturday morning that I couldn't get there earlier. But you got a oh, rock, you got a rock I'm form uh, orange plastic case. Let's put it this way: J Bone said, "Do you want me to have it shipped to my hotel so I can have it at the track, or you just wanted me to give it to you when we get back?" And I said, "Ah, let's just do it at the race." <laughs> nice, nice. Sooner the better. Yeah. 
And, yeah, Neil. And then my other question is, is did you guys go over and uh, eat barbecue with uh, Watson's team? Uh, no, I didn't. RCH barbecued after Helen. I got the invite from Kenny to stop by, but after the race, well, that, that's... well that guy, that guy that was doing the barbecue is the guy who's the host of MX Talk Radio, and he's the one who uh, was telling Davos about all the stuff you guys said. Oh, okay. All right. So, the, so the guy can do MX Talk Radio and barbecue. That's multi-talented. That's nice. And talk shit and tell Davos about the shit we're talking. It's good. Well, yeah. I mean, between him and Ty Katie both. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, you know what? The funny thing is, I'm sure half the stuff they told Davos wasn't exactly what we were saying. So that's how these things work. It's the, it's the whisper game, you know. Yeah. So, ah, what are you gonna do? I mean, MX Talk Radio. It's where people go to get their shit, their info. All right. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thanks, Neil. Appreciate it. Uh, Wygant, uh, thank you for coming on the show, man. Appreciate it. Uh, Hangtown this weekend. We didn't get to talk too much about it, but, um, you know, should be interesting. Should be close. Should be interesting to see if we can get guys uh, closer to those KTM guys. No doubt. All, all other internet radio shows, it's really easy to be cool when you just say everything is awesome and every rider rules all the time and everything's always great. Wow. Really sticking <laughs> your neck out there. Or how about discussing what is said on other internet talk shows. How about you just have your own talk show with your own ideas and your own original thoughts? Well, the ideas and original thoughts are everyone's awesome all the time. See, we got your back. <laughs> yeah, we got good. everybody's back equally all the time. Good point. We've always been there for you, Rider yep. X. Right. Yep. That's a good point. Yep. Thanks, Weech. See ya. All right. See you later. Jason Wygant, Racer X Online on the Fly Racing Moto 60 Show presented by NFAB. Still going to give away a Fly Racing Factory Spectator Kit. A tank top, a backpack, a hat, an umbrella. Tits, it is summer, so uh, get your guns out. Sun's out, put your guns out. That's the plan. It is, huh? Yeah. Oh, I can see you with the dunge. I got massive guns. Jason Thomas. What's up? How's things at Fly Racing? Oh, you know, steady killing it. Just on the reg? <laughs> you know, I bet I was in I was in SoCal last weekend, so right, right. <laughs> got to bear with me. Uh, Fly racing. Um, when are you going to uh, debut the 2015 uh, stuff? When are we thinking? Uh, Redbud. Redbud. Redbud nice. National. America's holiday and fly racing, just together. Yep, they go together like peanut butter and gumballs. <laughs> peanut butter and gumballs, really? <laughs> All right. Seven zero two five eight six seven eight five seven. If you want to win this fly racing factory spectator kit. Um, let's go right to a call from uh, Hobo Nick. He's been on hold for you for a while, JT. Just for you, not Wygant. Wants, okay. to, wants to talk to you. What's up, Nick? JT, I got a question for you. Hobo. Um, so on the business side of the sport, I feel like a lot of the privateers are, uh, you know, they're pretty much their own businessmen. Uh, okay. Do you feel like a lot of the privateers over the years, um, uh, like a lot of the guys who were fast but not quite fast enough to be a factory guy, but they just weren't uh, good on the business side of the sport. They weren't good at, you know, marketing themselves and calling themselves, getting things lined up and getting money stuff together. Uh, do you feel like a lot of guys quit just just because of that reason? Uh, it's a tough question to answer. I think that there's definitely value in it. Um, I don't know if it's going to make the difference of whether you make it in your career or not because I, I think their results are going to be the determining factor 99% of the time. What I do think is that if you're on the fence for a position such as Nick Way or a guy like that, that's where you can make the difference in your value, and that's where you can tip the scales in your favor and get that spot. What are, what are some of the tougher things about that? Um, you know, when, when you're sitting at home and you don't really have anything lined up and you got to get on the phone or 
you know, start making things happen? What are, what are the tough things about that that some guys excel with and some guys aren't as good at? Well, I think, I think understanding the, the business side of the sport is, is vastly underrated. I don't think that a lot of guys understand, and I don't think I fully understood it until I retired, about what drives the sport, what creates uh, dollars that are going to be re-put back into the sport, um, and how the whole machine works, really. Um, you know, I, I think most racers just look at it as, I just need to go fast on the motorcycle, somebody will give me free stuff and pay me to go ride, and that's all there is to it. And they're, they think that the, you know, they're kind of the sun and, and the rest of the motorcycle world is revolving around them. You think, you honestly, think sorry, but you think privateers think that, though? Like I do, yeah. Okay. I, I think racers uh, in general. Right, maybe, racers, maybe not privateers as much as, as yeah. other guys, but I think just racers okay. in general. Right. I think it's a pretty fair statement. Um, just because they haven't ever seen the other side. They haven't ever been in the marketplace and, and behind the scenes and seen where the actual money comes from and, and how it's spent and why it's spent. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, that's probably the toughest part is getting riders to understand how to, how to make themselves marketable and valuable to a company, really. I think one, uh, thing, uh, I think, uh, one Nixon, notable rider right now that you feel is pretty strong with that. I think Jimmy Albertson is great. Sorry, I know the question was for you, but uh, – uh, also, Derek Anderson. I think Derek Anderson, when he was racing, I heard he retired though, had a back injury or whatever. But there's a couple of guys that were, you know, were were back of the field privateer guys, still very fast riders, who kind of got it, you know. But yeah, I think I think Jimmy and Nick would be the two examples that jumped to my mind immediately that that understand and and put a big effort into raising their value on that side. I right, thank you guys. Hey, you guys hey, this weekend, Hobo. You want this fly racing factory spectator kit? Oh, uh, you, you know, I'm more of a giving guy, so I, I'm going to pass it on to the next guy, and I think he can uh, he'll right. appreciate it more. I like that. I like that attitude, Hobo. Keep on trucking. Later. All right. See you guys. See ya. Uh, Garrett, you won the fly racing factory spectator kit. Congratulations, Hobo. Yeah, I want to say thanks to Nick. That dude's awesome. Yeah, Hobo Nick, passing it on, just uh, uh, giving it. So you got a, a tank top. A hat, a podium hat, an umbrella, and a backpack with a uh, little cooler, a little uh, liquid pouch thing insulated for your uh, water, among yeah, other things. My, my water. Right. All right, Garrett. What's I'm going to use it when I go to Ireland this year. There you go. What's your question? Um, Jeremy Martin. Um, he was basically not – I'm kind of with you guys. He wasn't really – you know, last year was kind of, eh, now. Oh. With this, does he, does he just keep this momentum and – just we, run these guys into the ground? Or? Well, we talked about this a little bit on Racer X this week. I, Garrett, I got to think, like, he was so good at Glen Helen. He's not going to dominate like that the rest of the year. But, sweet Jesus, even if he slips up a little bit, you know, his fitness looked great, his bike looked great, his speed looked great. I got to think, oh. like, he is a top five guy from here on out. And, and therefore, if you're a top five guy in every moto, you will be there for the title at the end. So, is I'm barring any ridiculous things happening. Is Millville pretty much a gimme for him now that now that he's got uh, you know a, a bag full of confidence and yeah, it's a long time away, but I would think so, huh, JT? Uh, yeah, I would. I would have to believe so. Um, he. What do you think, though? Do you think this? I think to me, Glenn Helen just stamps the fact that this kid is going to be a title contender. You can't dominate like that and then just disappear. Yeah, the, the thing I've been kind of. Uh, the, the same feeling I've had all week is that I do think he's in this for the long haul. I don't think it's going to be what we saw at Glen Helen, though. I think he's going to win races, no doubt about that. If he went on one again, no problem. But 
to be two to three seconds faster and win by 20-something seconds, no, I just don't see that happening, On especially at Hangtown where I feel like a lot of people kind of go the same speed. So I, I don't foresee that happening again. But he'll, he'll be in there the whole way. Oh, without a doubt. Oh, I mean, he's, he's especially solid. since he didn't qualify for the first two supercrosses. I, I still don't know what yeah, happened Yeah, it's a there. completely different animal. I'm but. telling you, Garrett, this is the – Jeremy Martin is the new Michael Essie in the sense <laughs> oh, – no, 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 wait. No, no, no. no, no wait. Martin, won, Martin won the last race. Wait here. You can't say I, that. Mike got plenty of podiums in 125 supercross. Never won a race. Plenty of podiums. Never won a race. Okay. He, so Jeremy Martin wins on an injury – Ravaged East Coast with with two other factory guys, Jeremy Martin wins a Supercross, and you're now claiming he's he's great at Supercross. And I'll, you're you're I'll take that Michael Essie had plenty of podiums. Yes, and went into fifty classes is wrong. No, uh, let's add them up. Let's add, when we're done, we okay. will add them up and we will post the results on Twitter. Plenty. Um, what is he, what constitutes plenty? Uh, he raced the class for three years, three two or three okay. years. I would say plenty is over five. Not happening. Okay, Garrett, I think Jeremy Martin could be the new Michael Essie in the sense that, not, 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 not crazy, not all that. Not, not crazy, awesome. In, in the sense that he's much better outdoors than indoors. I, I'm thinking, I'm leaning towards that. So let's see here on out how he does indoors and all that. But to not qualify at the opening two rounds, to not qualify last year at the opening round, um, and his sort of so-so results, the class was ravaged with injuries when he won. He went 2-1 at the last two races. I don't ravaged with injuries. Ravaged with care. injuries. Um, um, you guys are hilarious. I love it. Ravaging your theory. I'm going to ravage you when I see you. Wait. That, <laughs> I'm not going that, now. That sounded weird. Oh, my that God. That sounded weird. Garrett, thanks. Stay on hold. Tits will get your info. All right. Thanks. All right. Let's, let's count these podiums up. Maybe someone in the chat room can count these podiums up for Michael Essie. All right. Let's go to 250s, uh, JT. We talked a lot of 450s with Wygant. Uh, we had a caller who said, Chad, read what podium this weekend. So he's on, he's on board with that. But let's go to 250s. Um, okay. Martin, we just talked about that. Uh, Cooper Webb was great. Baggett uh, should do well this weekend. I would have given him the win um, if he had been more impressive at Glen Helen to me. But I don't give him the win right now. Do you, though? Are you – For Hangtown? Yes. If I had to pick one guy, yes, he would be my pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not confident in it at all. Um he just didn't show me a lot, but I, I know how good he is at Hangtown. And if I just if I had to pick one person out of the whole class and, okay. and just go with it, then that's probably okay. who would my my pick would be. Just because I can't. But you're nowhere can't pick anybody. You're nowhere near as I can't confident. pick anybody better. You're nowhere near as confident as you would have been two weeks ago. No, absolutely right. not. No, um, I'm close. Last year he went three two at Hangtown. Kenny went one yep. one. Right. Uh, Eli went two three. So. Yeah, and if you take the two guys out, which you are, yeah. then you have Baggett. So yep. that's that's basically what I'm going off of. And, he, and historically, he's been really yep. strong there. So, um, Okay, so PC has Baggett and Justin Hill going forward. Geico lost Zach Osborne. God, Zach, huh? Just uh, yeah. it's tough, man. Tough, man. Yeah. Uh, Z- Geico lost Osborne, but the, they have Bishaglia and Bogle uh, going forward, who I thought both of those guys weren't talked about enough. When I rewatched the race again, they had some good motos, some good finishes. Um, yeah, they were uh, they were much better than I think most everyone, including myself, yep. anticipated. Um, who do you like if you had to – Bishaglia or Bogle, Hill, Baggett, Geico versus PC. I mean, Baggett, Baggett's probably the faster, but I would then put Hill maybe fourth in that list and the, 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 the Geico guys ahead of Hill. 
What do you think? Uh, I, I don't think that Bacheglia is better than Hill. I don't. I would say Baggett, Bogle, Hill, Bacheglia. So PC gets the, the so, nod for me. Someone in the chat room has our podium count, and he puts it at four. Bingo. I need, I need to check those facts. We'll, we'll back those up, but and we'll see how many races he did. Um, anyways, uh, thank you, uh, MX212, for that. Uh, okay, so the both teams, though, both teams, PC and, and um, Geico, look like they're going to – they have some issues going forward with Star Racing, with Red Bull KTM when Muscan gets up to speed, with Troy Lee because I think Sealy was – that was probably Sealy's best ever outdoor race. They're going to have – this is not not good for the two powerhouses. I was, it's definitely um, – I don't want to say a changing of the guard because injuries can't can't force that, but it's definitely going to be a completely different, uh, you know, dynamic than we've had the past few years. Um, you know, we talked about Yamaha who hasn't had an overall win in that class in 10 years. So uh, for them to look to go 1-2 and look, I, I want to say dominant at one two. Um, that that completely changes the game. Yeah. Hey, is Sealy is Sealy gonna be for real from here on out? I don't know yet. I'm not sold. Me which, neither. I'm you not... know, I, I know that's not fair because he looked great, but yeah. I, I still I want to see more from him before I'm just ready to say, yep, he's a title contender. I think so too. I think Glenn Helen is its own animal. I think he rides there a lot. He's a SoCal guy. Yep. You know. Yeah. It's it, it's just one. It, Glenn Helen is its own track in so many different ways. Uh, that I just I hesitate to draw conclusions from Glen Helen. I, I just don't yeah. like doing that. I, I just don't think it translates very much to the rest of the series. Uh, let's get to uh, Jer- Jared. What's going on, man? Hey guys, how you doing? Good. How are you? Good. I was. I had a question about how the fan experience was. I was actually supposed to do it, but I had to cancel the week up because I just didn't get some some money together in time just to be able to pay for it. But I was just wondering. How it went, and how was it different from the Supercross fan experience? Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit different. Um, obviously, Supercross has um, more things to offer with the press box and some other things uh, like the you know track walk with the riders and stuff like that. Um, that aren't just things we can't offer. It's not possible. So, um, you know, the yeah. price the pricing is different. It's obviously cheaper for the outdoor event um, because of that. So. I feel like the racing is much better than an outdoor event. It's just more core motocross. You get a lot more racing with all the practices and races and four motos and all. You know, there's just so much more real racing to watch versus you know think, the, the qualifiers that don't mean anything. I think too. Don't you? Um, uh, don't you? Sorry, JT. I think you get a little more, um, a little more downtime to talk to the riders. Oh, and outdoors, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Supercross is just you know how it is, Matt. It's like once. Once it gets going, you know, there's like that an hour break before the night show starts, but yeah. the, the riders are in their trucks. They're not coming out. They're watching video, and then it's it's time to go racing. Uh, the outdoors just is a, it's an all-day event. It starts early in the morning, and it's just, you know, you're there till we're there till dark anyway. So yeah. um, for me, I think it's a little bit of give and take. Uh, there's a few things that I wish I could offer in the outdoors that I just can't, but then I think the racing is, is much more entertaining in the outdoors. Well, I hope you don't offer any theories about racing because you're not that good at it. You're not that good no, at the I, theories. Yeah, it's completely <laughs> – it's just crap. You know, I make up whatever I don't know. Yes, fantastic. All right, thanks, Jared. Thanks, guys. All right, thank you. And people can uh, go on uh, – there's a website, right? BTO – is it Fan Experience? Or yeah, yeah. BTOSportsRacing.com slash BIP. There's a, there there's a bunch of info yeah, on Yeah, people can check it out. Jason Thomas has been running that for a while and been pretty successful at it. Uh, there's spots open for the outdoors, though, still? 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, outdoors were were much less limited on availability, so I can kind of make whatever I need to make work. I can do it. Uh, let's wrap this uh, fly race and Moto Sixty show presented by NFAB. Justin Barsha now an NFAB rider. Very uh, very weird bit of marketing there, huh, JT? Uh, foreshadowing? <laughs> I don't know. Safe to say. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I don't know if, if, uh, if Barsha will still have a Ridgeline next year or a Tundra. I, I... Yes, you do. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, so, uh, let's talk about Porcel, I guess. You, very excited for Porcel. Uh, very happy, uh, that he's back and his speed and he set the two fastest times. But here we are now, um, you know, almost a week later. Well, how? What do you think of his rides? Or are you overwhelmed, underwhelmed, just about right whelmed? If that's I was, I was very impressed with practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, watched him pretty closely just to see because no one's seen him riding so long. I wanted to watch his form and basically his setup and all that kind of stuff. Um, really impressed. Still classic Purcell, taking different lines than anyone else, going and you know just not jumping stuff, but then still making it faster somehow, which makes no sense. Um, so yes, after practice, I was very confident. Um, the motos, I you know, he just didn't have that intensity. That and in the middle of the pack, I just didn't see him able to move forward, which we've seen from him before. So I think that's going to come back. I think he was just trying to find it, kind of find himself out there, and uh, I think he will improve. Um, getting getting better starts is going to help too. The real the real question I had was concerning Jeremy Martin too. Um, I was kind of watching. Purcell, and I was watching Jeremy Martin, and he was, I don't know, 30 seconds back, if not more. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I was looking at, okay, so if you have Jeremy Martin who's doing a 221, and then you have Purcell who's doing a 223 or so, you know when they were both riding at their hardest? If Purcell had taken off with Jeremy Martin right on his rear wheel and they had just taken off together the first lap, would that be the same? Like is Jeremy Martin well, just going to ride away from him? No problem from I, any of those guys. He's not he's not jumping all the jumps for one, which I I wonder if we're going to see going forward. I thought that was strange that I never saw him air out that thing after the finish, the triple. Mm-hmm. Now, did he see him in practice do it? I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't. Um, he he wasn't doing that but back it, triple, which of course I don't know if it was any faster, but like to me, balls out, race speed, sprinting, opening laps, you got to be jumping these things. Yeah, I just wasn't sure. Was it? And then the question goes for Dean Wilson before he was hurt, or Jason Anderson especially. Had they started right with Martin, mm-hmm. would he have just ridden away from him? Would, I think, would that no, case I, have yeah. stayed the same, or would no. they have been able to walk into it? I think that's a good question, and I think he would have, because he just kept hammering those times were just just the same. And the other guys were right. stuck, and but they, they were clear enough at different points to try to match him, and they weren't able to. I mean, sometimes. But. Yeah, and I, I and I agree with that part. I just don't know if he was doing something they could have seen and picked up right. on and gone with him, or it was just like, no way, he's just better. I yeah. can't do anything about it. I, I don't care where he's going. I lean on this. That I, was the interesting thing for me. Yeah, I lean on the side he was better, but it's certainly a good question. You know, uh, last call here on the Fly Race and Moto Sixty Show, Sydney. What's going on? Hey, Steve. How you doing? Good. Thanks for call- thanks for listening. What's your question? Uh, I just had a question about Pro Circuit and their. Uh, Maybe a potential fill-in rider. Um, one guy I haven't heard you guys throw around is Thomas Covington. Do you think uh, Mitch Payton will reach out to the CLS guys and say, "Hey, Thomas, we kind of, you know, this is the original plan." Do you think they can get him to come over, or is that kind of a lost cause a little bit? No, I think he's there. He's done. Two-year deal. Yeah, he's locked in. Yeah, locked in yeah. for GPs. He loves it. Feels he's a better motocross rider than Supercross guy. So yeah. I don't know, um, uh, Sydney. I'm the one who floated the idea of a fill-in guy, and I was told I was crazy by by 
Kiefer and JT and I think Wygant told me that too. Like they're just they're they all everyone seems to think that PC is just going to go with those two guys going forward. So I wouldn't okay. go as far as right. to say you're crazy at all. I, I just yeah. don't see who they were going to get. Matt Lemoyne, right off the bat, Fly Racing Zone, Matt Lemoyne. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. It's just there's no one glaringly obvious to me. That would yeah. be the, the yeah. biggest holdup. I mean, I could see Bowers. I could see Lemoyne. No, I got an email. Um, I got an email about Hanny. I'm like, no, no, Mitch is not. No. Hanny hasn't raced the Outdoor Nationals. For seven years, I think. He's I think if Mitch called Hanny, he would say no. <laughs> right. You know? exactly. No, I, I really do. Right, I right. I don't think that Hanny, Hanny knows. Hanny's smart. He's not he's like a, Dude, outdoor nationals? Come right. on, people. All right, Sydney, thanks. I mean, maybe if this was January and he called him. Yeah. Not not right now. <laughs> no. Thanks, Sydney. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Fly Race and Moto 60 show presented by NFAB. Uh, yeah, Hanny. Come on, people. That was a couple of people on Twitter and a couple emails. Like, Really? Anyways, yeah, so maybe they'll go. Maybe they'll pick up a guy. Maybe they won't. Two guys um, um, going forward. Uh, Baggett and Hill, not so bad. I mean, Hill should improve from uh, from uh, Hank to, or Glenn Helen be top ten at least. So, All right. yeah, I would think so. All hey, right. why do you hate Davos? I don't hate Davos. That's what I heard when I first came on the line. You were talking oh, MX, about Davos and uh, MX Talk Radio. Hey, yeah, they, we're talking about how much you hated Davos and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why do you hate Davos? I don't know. I'm too busy hating on uh, who's the latest guy I hate. Um, oh, Jeremy Martin. I'm busy hating oh, on yeah. Jeremy Martin. I forgot my hate for Davos right now. You did say he was. Eh. I did. I did. And that, that Matthews guy. <laughs> that Matthews guy does not know what's going on. Um, <laughs> hey, we thank uh, thank everybody down there at Fly Racing JT. Go around right now in in all the offices and thank them for coming on for being on part of this show. Thank them. We have a couple of offices now that are because we're in our new building, which you're supposed to be coming to see. Yes. Uh, we have a few new offices that are kind of the fly offices. Mm-hmm. So I will I will spread the word. Go around, yes, and, and thank each and every one for for sponsoring this show and, and being a big part of it. Fly race and Moto Sixty Show presented by NFAB. NFAB, of course, uh, official sponsor of Justin Barsha. And uh, and thanks, JT. Thanks for coming on. All right, guys. See, see ya. ya. All right, everybody. That's a wrap. Tits. Thank you. Appreciate it. Always a good time over there. I thought you were falling asleep at times though. Mm. I was just doing my best Devin impersonation. (laughs) Fly Racing Moto 60 Show. Presented by NFAB, flyracing.com, n-fab.com. Thursdays, uh, noon. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for all the callers. Thank you for coming around. We will be back next Thursday to talk about uh, Lakewood. Thanks for listening. Thanks to JT. Thanks to Wygant. See you next Thursday.